This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 18, Episode 17. This is Writing Excuses. Build your author brand, 2023 edition. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And it's 2023 already? I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dong Wan. I'm Aaron. I'm Dan. I just got here. I'm Howard. Uh, this week, as the title might imply, we are talking about author branding, or basically building a brand on the internet, kind of in general. Uh, we're still doing the deep dive on my newsletter, Publishing is Hard, and this is specifically riffing off of a post I did titled, Do It on Purpose. That title comes from a quote from one of my very favorite humans on the planet, Dolly Parton, who once said, find out who you are and then do it on purpose. And for me, this is sort of a guiding light in terms of how to think about building a brand and having a brand. So I wanted to take a moment to sort of update our thoughts on this. 2023, the world has been evolving very fast on the social media front, on the technology front, on the publishing front. So what does that look like in today's world? First, I have to say, this is the first time I've heard that Dolly Parton quote, and I love it immensely. It's a perfect quote. I, I use it for my entire life. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Well, and it cuts both ways because, you know, we all know people who have decided for whatever reason to be assholes on the internet. Like, uh, you're doing that on purpose because that's who you really are. Yeah, And that is a brand, right? Mm -hmm. Being an asshole on the internet is a brand that has been hugely successful for so many people. I mean, the Logan Pauls of the world have built empires on this. And Can you imagine how successful Harlan Ellison would have been on... Oh, good Lord. The God. <laughs> that was a terrifying thought. I feel right? like I'm staring into the abyss right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that's a great example. You can say Harlan Ellison's name, and for at least a certain generation of readership, they know exactly what they're dealing with. He had a very strong brand, very strong identity. Was it a pleasant one? I, I wouldn't think so. It's not the one I would want to have. But there, the, I'm, the only reason I bring that up is I love the Dolly Parton quote because the first part of it is figure out who you are and then do it on purpose, right? Figure out who you are means that your brand should be organic to who you are and how you are in the world. What choices do you make in your life? The last several years, I've been working very hard on on that from a from a different point where I've been uh, looking at the idea of the difference between form versus essence, which has been useful for me as social media sh shifts. Because there's the idea, um, and I got this from Laura Levine, who's a happiness coach, which sounds very woo, but her idea is that everybody has five to seven essences that make them happy. And an essence is um, is about feeling, whereas form is about how something something that you can touch or buy. And so when I'm engaging with social media, I'm thinking about, you know, what are the, what are the essences of how I want to engage with this? Uh, when we had to do all of the shifting to, to go online during the pandemic, it's like, what am I trying to, what is the essence of what I'm trying to get at instead of trying to replicate the form of it? So like I watched, when I was watching people jump ship from Twitter, they were all trying to replicate the form in some right. way. Forgetting that it's like, but the essence of it was like rapid conversations. Right. And I think to some extent, one right, of the challenges of we have right now is 
the essence of what made Twitter great is a little bit not how the internet interacts right now. Yes. The internet is mm-hmm. interacting very much more in a broadcast mode, in, in a more passive stream mode rather than an interactive one, um, and is much more about visual and video content. The, the famed pivot to video actually happened, and that is Reels and TikTok. Um, it, it just took a lot longer to get there and came in a form that nobody really anticipated. So trying to replicate the form of Twitter has been a real challenge, I think, for a lot of people as... Some competitors, which are very interesting competitors, haven't quite gotten the traction in terms of uh, being able to promote yourself and build a brand that Twitter used to have, which used to be this sort of like cornerstone of having um, an identity online, especially as a writer. As Twitter becomes less and less important, for the moment at least, again, this is the 2023 edition for a reason, right? One of the things that has happened is Twitter is fading, TikTok is ascendant, Reels is extended on Instagram, things like that. One of the pieces that I'd been recommending for literally decades uh, is that whatever whatever you're building, and usually I was talking to cartoonists, um, you need to have a landing page that you own, mm-hmm. your website, your domain, because these your things— Your email list. Your email no. list. These <laughs> things— where you are getting all of your traction right now, whether they are Twitter or Facebook or whatever, um, they are turnkey systems that can be taken away from you with the turn of a key. And, uh, and so the thing that hasn't changed in the 2023 edition is it is still important for you to be maintaining a thing that is all yours that you have control of. Mm-hmm. What has changed is... What are you going, what are you going to plug it into? Are exactly. you still plugging it into Twitter? Are you looking for a way to create a Mastodon instance? Mm-hmm. Are you looking for newsletters? I mean, Dong Wan, I know you mentioned earlier uh, uh, Substack, mm-hmm. and and have since stepped away from Substack for reasons that I completely agree with. Yeah, there are lots of alternatives to that for newsletters. So, twenty twenty three. One of the most useful pieces about the internet that I've ever read is Cory Doctorow's piece about in-shittification. I don't know if anybody has <laughs> been exposed <laughs> to this idea. Um, you know, basically the argument is, is that any internet platform that is for profit will eventually be, quote-unquote, in-shittified by their pursuit of revenue, mm-hmm. right? Which stands in opposition to the utility it has to us as users. And so one thing I encourage people to do is, as you think about how to brand yourself, decouple your thinking, the essence, as Mary Robinette was describing, from the form, whatever platform that is, right? So it's not about TikTok. It's not about Instagram. It's not about Twitter. It's not about Mastodon. It's about who are you on the internet and what are you trying to put out there? How do you want to present yourself? Once you figure that out, then you can start thinking about what tools do I want to use to execute on that newsletter, blog, Twitter, whatever it is. So I have a a great example of this from uh, my own experience, which is that, you know, TikTok, every author is trying to, you know, like do the thing, figure it out. And I discovered that what I enjoyed was going for a walk in the woods and talking about craft. It's like, it's one of the reasons I like doing the podcast. I like talking about craft. And in the process of doing that, I recorded a thing on um, ask versus guest culture and, and, and how you could think about it in terms of, you know, uh, characterization and that sucker went viral, like viral, viral, like hundreds of thousands of people watching it. Every time I touch that topic, it is so many more people 
viewing it than anything else I write. But I don't want to be the ask versus guess girl. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that's that's not I, I'm not interested in having that as my brand. Mm-hmm. So I'll talk about it occasionally, but I I very aggressively am not going after audience numbers. Like I'm not using that as my metric for have I succeeded. What I'm looking at because it's the thing that is more interesting to me is the oh thank you that unlocked something for me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually a really important point because I think so much of what you see in terms of online social media is a pursuit of the number, right? Mm -hmm. People are chasing virality. And I I cannot emphasize enough that virality does not equal having a brand. Your brand is your identity overall. It's what you do over time. It's what you do every day. Virality is the thing that might happen if your brand is stable and good and exciting and interesting, right? Right. Virality, when you go big, when you get numbers, I don't know how many people have experienced that themselves. It's actually not a very pleasant experience subjectively. It it is very stressful. People start saying a lot of very wild (laughs) things to you. Uh, If you make a joke on the internet that goes viral, you may end up in corners of the internet that are not your favorite place to be. Um, And so it, it is something to keep in mind that just because something went big doesn't mean it's going to serve your underlying brand. And just because your underlying brand hasn't gone viral, that doesn't mean you're not doing it right. Those things are very much decoupled from each other. Well, and let's take this a step further, because I worry that a lot of um, aspiring authors and and people who are just getting into this uh, are equating virality and sales, because there's no link there Absolutely. Mm. Uh, Just because you have a lot of engagement online does not mean that anyone buys your books. Uh, Over and over again, there's virtually no causal link whatsoever. So let's dig into a little bit more what it means to have a brand and what that does for you over time after we take a break. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've probably already heard of them. I love them and have been watching them for years. Kurzgesagt, in a nutshell, on YouTube. Uh, this is an animated sci-com sort of short thing that uh, they they touch on. They touch on everything from Fermi's paradox to quantum foam to understanding how to actually be happy instead of being sad when you are struggling with that. Um, I love this. I love this program. And one of the things that I love about it is that uh, it, it's put together by a team of people, animators, musicians, writers, researchers. Uh, and and this team of people has managed to create something that is cohesive and has their stamp on it, their signature on it, all the way through. And as a creator of things who, you know, I, I love imagining that I can 
uh, I can create a brand that is identifiable. Um, I look at what they've done and I can tell immediately, oh, that's a Kurzgesagt thing. And I love it. And it's it's super cool. Um, Kurzgesagt, in a nutshell, uh, head out to YouTube and have a look, have a listen, uh, learn something and maybe learn uh, what it takes to make something feel like it's you. Okay, so if a brand isn't virality, if virality isn't sales, then what does it mean to have a brand, to have an identity uh, in the world? Um, For each of you, I guess, what does that look like? How did you do the thing of figuring out who you are, much less doing it on purpose? I will say, and it's so funny to to hear y'all talk about brand equaling virality, I generally do not like to be perceived on the internet. Uh, I am pretty much afraid of people on the internet and everything having to do with social media. Like I pipe up here and there, but I always find it really interesting for me because in person, when I'm out and about among people, I tend to be pretty chatty, but on the internet, I like tend to hide a little more. I think because of how bad it can feel Mm -hmm. and how I've seen other people feel really like, oh my gosh, uh, I've gone viral and now everyone hates me in some dark corner of the internet. And so what I would say is I actually feel like for me, it is knowing where my strengths are. So a lot of a lot of the brand that I've built is in conversations with people in person, on Discord, in smaller groups. And what happens is enough people get to know you in the same way. And then sometimes they will help build your brand for you in the ways that they speak about you because everyone feels like, oh, that's really real and that's really consistent. Is that going to go viral? Probably never. But I think it is feels very true to who I am. And so that when I do speak up and say something, it feels genuine. And I think that that is what people vibe with about me is that I feel like I'm being myself all the time. I love that so much. I mean, and I think that's exactly right. To have a brand doesn't mean you have to have be online in a certain way. It doesn't mean you have to be speaking up on Twitter or recording TikTok dance or whatever it is, right? Um, having a brand to me is so much about consistency. And boy, is it easier to be a consistent if you're just being natural to who you are on the inside and ways that you think. So being yourself in person or in private spaces with people is as much brand work as it is to have a TikTok with scheduled posts. There's an exercise that uh, I learned back when I was a uh, <laughs> a mid-level manager marketing guy. Um, you you pick a few brands like Coca-Cola, the Olympics, Chevrolet, and you know say the name, close your eyes, think about them. What are what are your impressions of them? For right or wrong that's what their brand has delivered to you. That is how their brand is being perceived to you. Now bring it home and say the names in the same way of a few of your friends. What do they mean to you in this regard? That is, whether or not they're doing it consciously, that is the brand that they have created. Now look at your own name. You know, if I say Howard Taylor, I need to think of something other than just, well, obviously that's who I am. No, what are the things that make me me? It can help to have somebody else say your name and then tell you what they think your brand is. And that can be a real that can be a real eye opener. You know, a really wonderful example, by which I mean terrible example, 
of accidental branding is what Pepsi has done to itself over the last 10 or 20 years. Uh, in an effort to compete with Coke in the marketplace, they started buying exclusive contracts with restaurants, which is why when you go to a restaurant and you ask for Coke, they will say, is Pepsi is okay? Is Pepsi okay? And that became their brand, is Pepsi huh. okay? To the point that they had to address it directly in an ad campaign a couple of years ago, uh, where I think it was Steve Carell would say, is Pepsi okay? Pepsi's wonderful. Because they realized they had boxed <laughs> themselves into a corner by accidentally branding themselves as the thing you're forced into. Ooh, so man. don't make your brand being the second <laughs> choice. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and one thing I want to emphasize is, you know, we're talking a lot about figure out who you are, do it on purpose, those kind of things. That doesn't mean you need to be able to list in a bullet point list here are the five adjectives that I am, right? Sometimes it's a feeling. Sometimes it's a vibe. You know, you don't have to be like, oh, I'm just this person who does this one thing and I can't do anything else. It's about emphasis, right? When I think about having a brand, I think about, okay, what am I putting out in the world and what am I holding back for myself, right? What things do I do online versus things that I do in my own personal life that I don't need to be talking about all the time, right? There are ways in which I think my life can look very transparent online, but obviously most of my time is doing other stuff, right? So what I choose to put out there in terms of here's my new newsletter, here's my thoughts about publishing, here are my clients, here are the author books I work on. And then I like have a couple other things like I do woodworking, I like to cook, I like to take photographs. Those are the three things I put on right? The other hobbies that I do, the other things I spend my time with, the people I spend my time with who aren't work-related, I ain't putting that online. That's for me. That's my own personal life, right? So knowing what you keep for yourself versus what you put in the world, I think is a really big part and a really important part about not only having a brand, but making it sustainable, right? Because mm -hmm. what you don't share with the world, that it will become more and more precious to you the more exposed you are and all these other things. So keeping some of your life insulated from being perceived, whether it's on the internet or in person or whatever it is, I cannot overstate how important that is. Yeah. This is something along those lines that I, I want to kind of draw attention to people, um, draw people's attention to is that there is, we're, we're talking about your brand as a person, which is different than your brand, the, the brand of your fiction. Mm -hmm. Like my, my fiction brand is that I write, uh, meticulously researched stories with happily married couples and that they're generally, there is some hopeful element to it. That That is what you know you're going to pick up, you're going to get from my books, regardless of which genre I happen to be writing in. My short fiction all over the map, good luck. Um, but my personal brand is is different because my personal brand, I insulate my husband from the internet, you know, so the, I'm, I am part of a happily married couple, but that is not the personal brand that I'm bringing. I don't talk about Rob a lot online because that is, you know, that is a, a choice that I've made. But those are two different things. I'm just thinking back to that idea that, that Howard was talking about, about how other people see you. And I would say one of the best ways uh, with your fiction, like the brand of your fiction is to listen if somebody ever introduces you or talks about you in a conversation, like in a group. Like, they'll be like, oh, meet so-and-so. Like, 
she writes da 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 da. Like you'll be surprised sometimes what another person will say about your fiction brand Mm -hmm. or your writer brand that's very different than what you might think of for yourself. But it lets you know what's the shorthand that at least is in one person's mind. I will forever be grateful to our uh, departed friend, uh, Jay Lake, who introduced me at Worldcon by saying, this is Howard Taylor. He writes Schlock Mercenary, which is the best science fiction comic being published today. And I was like, hi, Jay, thank you. Um, Yes, I'm, I'm. How do I step up to that? <laughs> yeah. How, but, but this was my brand being communicated in a way that I couldn't communicate it. That uh, it was, it was wonderful. Yeah. I'm, Aaron, uh, that's such a smart thing, and, and it can be difficult. I wish in advance that we had prepared this to be like, let's talk about each other's brands. Uh, <laughs> no. Because hearing somebody else describe you can encapsulate you in a way that you hadn't realized. Uh, several years ago, somebody described my fiction as um, he writes books about characters who are deeply obsessed with one specific area of knowledge, which is 100% true, and I did not realize I was doing it. And now that I know that I'm doing it, I can lean into it, and I can use that. I can take advantage of it. Uh, but, yeah, that's an aspect of of my branding that I was blind to. Yeah, it's really one of my favorite parts of the job is, you know, getting to help figure out what a book's brand is, what an author's career brand is, and what their personal brand is, right? Because I'm constantly introducing people to the world. That's kind of what my job is, introducing people to other people at conventions, uh, to editors, to the public in terms of writing book copy or whatever it is, uh, helping them figure out how do I write my bio. That process of really figuring it out of like, who are you? What do you do? What do you want to be in the world? How do we make this sustainable? Um, those are like really big questions and it is such a joy to like be able to like figure out strategically what makes sense and how are we going to execute on it? There is one, like the the double-edged sword of this aspect of it is that once you've decided this brand and it's the thing that you communicate, um, that the the do it on purpose part is the part that we really have to, Mm -hmm. again, I want to draw a line under is because... You know, Dolly Parton, Dolly Parton can never have a bad day. Yeah. Like she can never lose her temper at anyone in person now. Um, Because that would completely, that that would be not doing Dolly Parton on purpose. And, you know, as people, we are complicated. We have moods. We have good days. Everybody's allowed to have a bad day. But... There was a story about uh, James Corden uh, going to a uh, a restaurant and Balthazar, yeah, yeah, and and getting mad because they they brought his wife something that she was allergic to twice, and like that is a thing. Like all of us have, we, we all know you are good to the wait staff. You are, but everybody has had a day where they've slipped, um, and it's usually when you're protecting somebody else. But because his brand is, he's a nice guy. It was so completely out of character that it blew up into this ginormous thing. Yeah, I just want to build on that to say that's making me think that I think one of the reasons that happened is some people have like sort of just a natural distaste for him. And that can happen, too. Sometimes the brand that people have in their mind for you is just incorrect. And a lot of times it can be influenced by their own 
prejudices and knee-jerk reactions to things that are as broad as like ethnicity and gender or as specific as you have the same face as their ex or who knows what. But sometimes people will just decide that you are away and that can be like kind of a brand trap. Mm-hmm. I think it's good to know about it because if you know that like there's a whole swath of people who see you X way, at least you're aware. It's like, yeah. you know what's going on. But I think that's, I'm curious how like you would say to deal with that. Cause I think that can be a really difficult thing on it's, the internet. It's really tough to fly directly contrary to the brand. Right. So James Corden example, there are a group of people who think he's an unpleasant person he spends his entire brand saying, I'm a very pleasant person. Those two things, there's no overlap between them. So it will never resolve in a way that's manageable. So if you know that a certain sector of the audience thinks of you a certain way, then not play into it, but try and move it 10 degrees rather than moving it 90 degrees, right? Um, And so for me, over time, I, I think when I started there was a certain set of, I I could come off as like arrogant sometimes, you know what I mean? I think in the early days, especially when I was younger and like didn't quite know how to navigate certain social situations. And so I have worked really hard to shift that by degrees to be a little bit more fluid, a little bit more open and generous while still kind of like playing into certain angles and certain people's expectations of me, whether that was, I would go to a con wearing a really nice suit, you know, like there were, elements of like, how do I move this very slightly over time to be in a place that is more comfortable to me, that is more aspirational for me. But I never tried to do a 90 degree, 180 pivot from you think I'm this, no, I'm this thing over here. And so I think that's one way to think about it. When you shift your brand, you want to do it slowly and over time, right? Because brands evolve with you. Sure, you'll find yourself haunted by some ghost of a thing that you did or said 10 years ago. That is a thing that will happen, especially on today's internet. But be thoughtful about how you evolve that over time. And I think you can get to a place that will make you happier with how you want to be seen online. Um, and, you know, I think we will leave it with on that. Uh, Aaron, I believe you have our homework this week. I do. And the homework is for you to... Write a list of that starts with sentences that start with, I am a writer who, or I am a writer that, and try to go as broad as possible. It could be, I am a writer who writes romance. It could be, I'm a writer who likes to get up at dawn and write, uh, you know, first thing in the morning. And then write down a list of things, I am a person who, I am a person that. And look at that list and think, what of the things on this list are the things that I want to give to the world, that I want the world to see? And what are the things that I want to keep for myself? And I would also suggest doing it for you now and also for the writer and person that you aspire to be. In the next episode of Writing Excuses, we'll go over email marketing, building an audience, and LARPing as a newsletter sender. Until then, you're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. For this episode, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, Dong Wan Song, Aaron Roberts, Dan Wells, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr., mastered by Alex Jackson, and produced by Emma Reynolds. For more information, visit writingexcuses.com. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. 
They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. Locus. 